Check, 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 check. Hello. Uh, hello. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Janet and James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent September 4th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. I don't know. Is it that I'm intolerant or is the average person a complete retard? I don't know what's going on. You know, I don't know if you're dealing with this, but like, my neighbors are complete morons. Now, 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 not all of them, you know. Brothers and sisters in arms, we have to live and work and cohabit community with one another. But like, ever since this quarantine, you know, pandemic 2020, you know, coronavirus, Chinese virus, (coughs) people running for their lives, gasping for air. (gasps) Oh my God, there's a virus that, you know, it's striking down overweight, unhealthy, elderly people in droves. Ah! No shit, like any other disease would affect any other person. If you are elderly and in ill health and you don't take care of yourself, you're more susceptible to the coronavirus. It's a bunch of hogwash as far as I'm concerned. Now, don't get me wrong, I do wear my mask, I social distance, the whole kit and caboodle, but I ain't gonna fucking wet my panties over it, you know? It ain't that big of a deal now, is it? Anyway, back to the retardation of humanity. You ever notice that your fucking neighbors during quarantine, they just be bitching and squawking, walking around in the hallway? It's like, why don't you just go into your apartment and close the door and talk all you want inside your apartment? Why do you got to squawk and bitch and bellyache till the cows come home right outside somebody's door? I can hear them right now. Full-on conversation out in the hallway for anybody to hear. Are you retarded? This whole, like, quarantine, pandemic situation, it's really bringing to light the overwhelming self-centeredness, ego, unawareness, belligerence of the average person. You know? If you're going to hoot and holler and carry on in public... Drawing attention to yourself obnoxiously, there's something else going on. There's something you are missing. Basic social awareness, social grace. And I don't want to be a hypocrite here. You know, um, I've done some work on myself, you know, as a man, as a young man in 2020. I've come a long way and I still got a lot to learn. And, you know, I'm a young man today, but in my youth, in my, you know, in, in my times of, you know, ignorance, obnoxiousness, you know, unawareness, I would be loud and obnoxious. I remember one time I was on a Greyhound bus, <laughs> coincidentally, Greyhound buses, you know, Ugh, the scum of the earth. I remember one time um, the Greyhound bus driver, you know, if you ever ridden a Greyhound, fucking... Ugh. The breeding ground of the coronavirus, you know, Greyhound buses. I remember one time I was on a Greyhound and the bus driver, he gets on the intercom. Attention all passengers, Uh, we're about to depart from uh, 
Sudbury, Ontario, bound for Toronto, Canada. Again, please no smoking on the coach and no drinking. Then I hear like this little girl. She was like five years old. She goes, do you hear that, mommy? No drinking. Do you hear that, mommy? No drinking. I got coronavirus. I'm never going back to school. It's a fucking Greyhound for you. But anyway, I remember one time I was on a, on a Greyhound bus and um, I was squawking, bellyaching, kibitzing and kabeeking till the cows come home. You know, just hooting and hollering. And this guy behind me, he goes, oh, would you shut up? He like muttered, oh, would you shut up? And I got up, I got out of my chair and I turned around and I looked at him and he's like, sorry. And I made a big deal of it. How dare somebody tell me to shut up? That was like five years ago. And coming forward to present day, I can reflect on that and be like, you know what? He was absolutely right. What was I doing? Bitching and whining and talking loudly and disrupting people's peace. What kind of attention was I trying to seek? What was the point of it? Socially unaware. A well, unaware of my fellow human beings' needs and wants. Completely swept up in my own ego. I'm going to talk. I'm going to explain. I'm going to be seen and heard. I'm going to be obnoxious. I'm going to state my case for no fucking reason. <laughs> That's human beings for you. Retarded. Anyway, if you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast. This is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, cabelliake, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self, y'all the dear listener. Y'all, the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. I'm going to be in your will. I'm going to live in your house someday. I'm going to take you to court and fucking suck you dry as if we got like a divorce or something, you know? I'm going to be up in your shit, you know? We're going to be friends forever. And if you are uh, enjoying the show thus far, please do share me with a friend. Help my black ass out for crying out loud, you know? Sharing is caring, folks. I'm on YouTube. You know, you can get the vodcast version, the video version of the show on YouTube. I'm on iTunes, Spotify, you know. My own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. Connect with me there, folks, please. Help my black ass out. And if you are new to the show, I am an actor extraordinaire. 19 years of service. Diploma in theater arts. That's been to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. It's hot. Ah, it's hot. Summer breeze makes me feel fine. Ah, it's hot. You know, we're at the end of summer, folks. September, where is the time gone? beginning of September, final third of 2020, whatever's left of it, goddamn fucking dumpster fire, but we're in the final third, third period of, uh, let me see that, September, October, November, December, yeah, 
We're in the final third, the third period of uh, 2020. And as an actor, thespian extraordinaire, man, it's looking kind of bleak, <laughs> kind of dim, forlorn, pointless, you know? I might as well jump out of a window. Unfortunately, I live on the fifth floor, probably survive, but you know, you know, those are the options. <laughs> Suicide. Kidding. But, um, you know, and if you are struggling with that, come on. Nothing, nothing, um, nothing beats life, you know? There ain't nothing that can, can or should make you forget, make you forget. There's nothing that should make you forget how beautiful life is. You know, I'm looking out the window right now. It's a sunny, early fall, you know, trees are still green, warm sunlight, you know, had a few cups of coffee today, you know, thinking about what I might make for dinner, doing a podcast with y'all, feeling good, worked out, you know, and that's what it, that's what it is. And as an actor, thespian extraordinaire, you know, I was walking down the street yesterday. Yeah, you know, when was the last time you did that? <laughs> you know, walking down the street, mask on. You know, I was walking down the street, I took that risk. And, um, you know, I was like looking into a storefront. You know, I was looking into a storefront window, just kind of window gazing. You know, I saw people out and about, you know, sitting on patios, six feet apart, hand sanitizer eating their fucking pasta dinner through a fucking mask, you know? <laughs> you know? So stupid. How are you going to go out for a meal, you know, sit with your mask on and then take it off to eat the meal? Like, anyways, I don't know. But, you know, we're getting back to some sense of normalcy. Anyways, I'm peering, I'm peering around, I'm looking around, I'm kind of daydreaming. Then I started thinking about like, oh yeah, like I have this great idea for like a little sketch that I want to do, you know, a little comedy sketch that I'd like to do for JR the P, Jonathan Ramchand on the podcast. Got to thinking about that and you know, it's just a little humble thing that I want to do that's good for, you know, the show, which is good for my spirit as a performer and it's a pretty humble little undertaking that I want to do that keeps me connected as an actor, that keeps me excited to do what I do, right? If that's relatable to anybody out there. Those little things in a career that make you excited, you know? You get a new um, knife if you're like a chef, you know? You get yourself a new little gizmo to use in the kitchen. You get yourself a new little tool as a mechanic or a tradesperson, um, you get some new software, you know, let's say you're some sort of, you know, multimedia person, sort of like myself, you do a podcast or, you know, your graphic designer, you get a new piece of software or, you know, you, you know, you, you know, you get some new equipment at the daycare that you run, you know, a couple new jungle gyms, whatever, Tonka trucks, Barbie dolls, whatever, new little play area for the kids, which will help you better manage them in the daycare. You know, the little blessings of a career that keep things interesting, right? So I was having one of those little moments. I was like, you know, 
thinking about, oh, yeah, like, I'm pretty excited to do this little sketch. And, you know, I'm planning it out. I'm plotting it out. I'm living it out in my head, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. And then all of a sudden, like, that pandemic 2020, you know, warning, warning, coronavirus, you know, all of a sudden that negativity just, like, came down on me like a ton of bricks, you know? Plop down in my lap. Plop. Negativity. Fear. Fear. Anger. Aggression. These are tenements on the dark side. You know, I'm just like, what the fuck? Who cares? What the fuck am I all excited about? What, just to do some stupid little sketch? You know, I'm not getting paid for it. Something that I got to drum up out of my back pocket. You know, I got to put this effort in to make a sketch. You know, no one's paying me to do it. Will people even see it? What's the point of it? Fuck it. Fuck it. Look at all these idiots. Like, as I said, I was out and about on a walk. I'm like, look at all these idiots with their masks. You know, you got to wear a mask on an outside door patio, you know? (sighs) Struggling to eat your meal through a fucking mask, through a window screen, you know? Fuck it. The negativity hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, wait. Wait. That's what makes me an actor extraordinaire. That's what makes me a thespian extraordinaire. A thespian noir. A black actor. That's what makes me a performer. And if you can relate out there, whatever you do, that's what gives life to your goals, your endeavors. You know? That's what gives that that impetus, that spark, that ingenuity. And it's like, yeah, I can be happy. I can be happy to take the crumbs. I can be happy to take whatever comes across my path. Because I know that I do what I do because it's in me to do it. You know? A lesser actor, a lesser thespian might fold under the pressure. Pack it up, you know? Well, it's been nice being an actor, but, you know, coronavirus, pandemic 2020, fuck it. I'm going back to selling stocks. Whatever, I'm just going to go work at my, uh, I don't know, my dad's insurance company. Whatever, fuck it. This whole acting thing, kind of always knew it wouldn't pan out. Fuck it. And that's relatable across industry, whatever you do. If it's in you to do, just... Roll with the punches, hang in there, believe in it, and, you know, be accountable, change, grow, address issues, and if it's truly for you to do, you will find that way. And, you know, you can be excited about eating the crumbs, you know? If it's good enough for a church mouse, squeak, squeak. You ever see a church mouse? church mouse you know he'd be eating he'd be eating crumbs you know he ain't he ain't complaining he ain't bitch whining and belly aching you know little church mouse you know he lives in a little church mouse hole you know pokes his little head out from under his little fucking church house hole you know he lives in you know he lives in the back of a church somewhere you know eating the fucking little wafer crumbs you know when they do communion and some fat asshole goes up to the pulpit and Bless me, Lord, for I have sinned. You know, burps, belly aches, and then eats one of those, like, you know, 
church wafers and the crumbs fall out of his fat fucking bloated mouth onto the floor. You know, and then he takes a swig of that wine that they pretend is Jesus' blood. <laughs> you know, big fat sinner. You know, sweaty fat sinner. Burping and belching and belly aching, crying about his crimes, you know. Save me, Lord, save me. And he's eating fucking wafer crumbs. <laughs> And he dusts it off of his face and, and he waddles his fat ass out of a church. Well, after he does that, a little church mouse, squeak, squeak, a little church mouse comes out of his little church hole, you know, and he goes and eats the crumbs right there off of the pulpit floor, you know, and he's happy for it. He's happy for those sinner uh, crumbs. Those sinful crumbs. He's happy for it. You know? I'm like a church mouse. Squeak! So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan. Actor extraordinaire. <laughs> really went out on a limb on that one. But, you know, having fun. I am also a stand-up comedian. 11 plus years of service. Um, we're also seeing during this time of pandemic 2020 cancel culture you know all these teetotaling you know offended type people sitting up there in their ivory towers as if they've never told a dick joke or you know whistled at a woman or um you know lusted for some cock like whatever the fuck it is like these people acting as if they've never huffed gas in their life you know walking around on this fucking cloud of um self-righteousness trying to cancel people people for all sorts of stupid reasons poor ellen degeneres you know people trying to shame her for being cold distant detached the woman's trying to run her show she's a mega star highly successful everybody wants a piece of her she doesn't have time to fucking hold hands and wipe the tears of some crybaby sycophant with a fucking bad attitude. You didn't fucking say good morning to me. So I'm going to send out a tweet to say what a cold, horrible, fake lesbian you are. You're not a real lesbian. A real lesbian would have a little bit more compassion. You're a phony lesbian. Goddamn crybaby, grow up, all right? People don't have to bend to your will accommodate you and every little fucking thing that goes on in your pathetic life. We are living in a world of cynicism. People are motivated by self-interest. If it's because if I neglected to consider your feelings when I produce a show or tell a joke or perform on stage, it's not because I'm trying to hurt you. It's because I don't give a fuck about you. Generally speaking, it's completely indifferent. You're not even a thought. It's not like, oh, I went out of my way to offend somebody. I wasn't even thinking about you. I was thinking like, hmm, what do I find funny? How can I express that? And hopefully it connects. That's it. But in terms of your feelings, I wasn't even thinking about your feelings, let alone trying to offend your feelings. I wasn't even thinking about it. Cynicism. And we live in that world of self-interest and, you know, we got to grow up 
be big men and women and transgendered people. We have to grow up and be that. And in this world of like cancel culture and stuff, I think the new way forward is like, like any business, like any business, you know, it's like, you know what? No shoes, no service, no shoes, no shirt, no service. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm not begging for people to see my way, to see my point of view. Like what I would like is to, you know, be seen for what I do, appreciated for what I do. A conversation can occur, but um, I think generally the performer should take a stance of like, well, whatever. Tough beans, kiddo, you know? I don't know what to tell you if, if you're not into what I do or if you're not into what somebody else does. Maybe you should just be a grown-up about it and seek out another avenue of entertainment. And maybe you can come back to that person at a later date. It's not like a death sentence. It's not like a con- condemnation for all of time. You know, I'm condemned for all of time because I once told a fucking joke about a you know, a gay chipmunk. Oh my God, chipmunks, you know, have every right to be gay as any gay lord. You know, how dare you make fun of the gay chipmunks? You know, we all heard those Christmas songs, you know? Christmas time is everywhere, Santa don't be late. They were gay as sin, you know? What am I supposed to make, come on, a chipmunk named Alvin? For crying out loud, it writes itself. He was sucking cock, right? And you know, it's like, oh, you're supposed to be all shameful about it and stuff like that. Enough's enough, right? When are we going to grow up, you know? So I think it's I think it's the duty of like um, any person in any industry nowadays to, of course, be accountable for themselves, their actions, their words, but also have a no shoes, no shirt, no service attitude where it's like a lot of these trolls, they be coming out from under their bridge, crying, bitching, whining, belly aching, acting like, you know, you know, uh, dejected lovers because, you know, they can get some attention from it. It's all ego-based. It's all um, sick, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally sick people that want to stand in other people's way and cry and whine till the cows come home for no fucking reason other than their ego, their wants, their needs, their self-importance. A great... Um, a great clip that uh, I recently watched. A great clip. Doug Stanhope, renowned stand-up comedian, multiple uh, comedy specials, um, beer, how, beer House Punch, Putch. I might be pronouncing that wrong. I'm stupid. <laughs> but he's got that. No refunds. Um... The Great White Standhope, I think that's another one of his, you know. Many stand-up comedy specials. He had written books, you know. Digging Up Mother, I believe, is a book he wrote about his dead mother. <laughs> it's a really crazy story. Um, check it out. Um, what else? You know, Joe Rogan Experience, The Man Show. Um, just, you know, well-known and liked and respected in the comedy community. Doug Stanhope, 
um, one of my personal inspirations, for sure. And um, I recently got reminded, uh, I was watching a clip of his. It's on YouTube. Um, you can find it. Uh, I'll post a link to it. I'll post a link to it in the description or on this episode somehow. I'll post a link. But it's this clip where he talks about, um, he's being interviewed. And he's being asked questions about comedy. You know, he's like, I, you know, he's got that raspy, you know, chain smoking, drunk voice. He's like, you know, comedy, I'm not, I'm not, fuck, I, fuck, I am not one of those comics who love comedy. <laughs> fuck no. You know, you only love comedy if, um, when they're laughing at you, you know. You ever notice that, uh, comedians, you know, they say, Oh, you can't judge comedy this, you can't judge comedy that. Well, you do it every night at a comedy club, you know. You do it quite well, actually. You're always judging and bitching and that high school antics, judging other comics. And, you know, you only like comedians. uh, Comedians only like making people laugh when they're laughing at the comedian. Is the point of what I'm trying to say. Like, that's the point of what, you know, I'm kind of... Like, I don't even know why I'm going into an impersonation of a comic I respect. <laughs> well, maybe, is that the highest level of respect to show a, to roast? Uh, stupid bullshit, right? But uh, he's basically, the point he's trying to make is like, comedians, we only tend to like making people laugh when they laugh at us like for example i might not have made you laugh there with that little impersonation you know so my whole theory of i'm a comedian because i love making people laugh that goes right out the window if you if you thought my little impersonation there wasn't very entertaining then fuck you so if i give a fuck about making you laugh what about me what about my agenda to be a funny comedian who can do impersonations and always have a funny little quip and an antidote and a little Hey, this is my view of the world, you know? That all goes out the window if you don't laugh at it. Then go fuck yourself. I'll turn on you in a heartbeat. <laughs> it's the the self-importance that we all suffer from. And, you know, I guess the way forward is a little bit more understanding, consideration, compassion, empathy, empathy. And, uh, but generally speaking... Um, it's all very interesting, and I think that's the way forward for the comedian and also for just like any public persona or any basic... It's kind of funny because it has blossomed outwards. You know, all this PC culture thing, it kind of started really with more or less hashtag Me Too movement, corruption in Hollywood, Um Producers, directors using their position to, you know, garner sexual favors from actors and actresses. And it's, it, it kind of grew from there to kind of encompass society in general. And while the truth is very important and while justice needs to be served, it has to be due process. And it also has to, um, it also has to make way for 
reasonable discourse. You know, the reasonable discourse of of differing opinions and an honesty, an honesty in what our goals are. You know, to publicly lambast somebody for having a differing point of view or to use words that you wouldn't choose to use, it's really kind of self-serving, self-righteous, aggrandizing, you know? You know, who are, who are, who is anybody to criticize anybody on anything? Really, you know? And, you know, that's a slippery slope. I mean, some things are just plain obvious, you know, rape, murder, you know, Uh, transgender jokes. (laughs) Those are just obvious. How dare you? You know, but it's, it's one of those things where... There needs to be honest accountability. And uh, I think that's the way forward. No shoes, no shirt, no service. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. (laughs) That's kind of what's going on with me right now in, uh, you know, the times of the times. Pandemic, moving towards post-pandemic 2020. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, what I want to talk about on this episode is uh, a few things. But to begin with, something that is relatable to all people. This is like a family sort of a topic September 1st 2020 of this year September 1st was the 12 year anniversary of the passing away the death of my mother Gail Ramcharan she died September 1st 2008. It was really the night of like August 31st, I believe, 20, 2008. It was like 1157, 1152. The night of, uh, you know, August 31st, 2008. So here we are, 12 years, 12 year anniversary. <clears throat> I had a very tumultuous sort of relationship with my mother. You know, I never knew my father. He was never in the picture. I don't quite know what the story was. We never really got much of a explanation. I never did. And as a single mother, she did the best she could. And as a mother in general, she did the best she could. And it wasn't the best. As a matter of fact, there was a lot of discrepancies. To the point in which, after her death, 
I had some resentments, some anger. I had a time where I felt very lost, but not really knowing why. And, you know, I think that's just a very common theme amongst all of us. Parental letdown, parental loss, resentment. And, you know, sitting here at like the 12-year anniversary of my mother's death, I've come quite a long way. And today, I'm very happy that I can respect and appreciate what she did do. You know, um, I've been thinking on this for a long time because it had a lot of far-reaching tentacles You know, the way she raised us was very tumultuous. We were very deprived of a lot of things, my brother and sister and I. You know, I'm I'm the middle child. I have an older sister and a younger brother. We were very deprived of things. There was a lot of neglect, a lot of discrepancies, but a lot of good, you know? Like, this past summer... You know, the summer of 2020, due to pandemic, coronavirus, you know, I spent a lot of time kind of, you know, distant from people, you know, and just kind of watching and reflecting. I'd go to the park and, you know, I'd social distance and I would sit down and, you know, I'd watch all the other brave souls who ventured out. I was watching what people generally do and what we do and, you know, just contemplating life. And I noticed, you know, a lot of people and it's just like a human intuition walking. My mother taught me to walk. I mean, I'm assuming... I wasn't exactly all there in the head to remember, but I'm assuming she helped me walk, learned how to walk. She took me for walks, a lot of walks. And to call back to the beginning of this podcast when I was talking about neighbors during pandemic being very noisy, inconsiderate, it's really bringing out this whole idea of self-awareness, social space, personal space. I remember when my mother would take me for a walk, she'd always say, pick up your feet when you walk. Pick up your feet when you walk. I guess maybe when I was a kid, I dragged my feet or something. And I remember, I remember struggling to follow that instruction. And to this day now, if you see me walk, I got a beautiful walk, you know. I walk very succinctly. I walk in time. I walk in stepped with assuredness. Swift of foot, light on the loafers. And uh, it... I see the point in that. I see the realization in that because, you know, a lot of people, they're very, I don't know. You ever see somebody walking when they're just like stumbling and mumbling and just walking like a complete idiot? It's like, oh my God. It's like, have you no fucking awareness of the people around you, the situations around you? Like just, for God's sakes, have a little awareness. You're kind of bobbing and weaving and walking like a dumbass, getting in people's way. I can walk very, you know, assured. And walking is like the beat, the beat of the human drum, man. And woman, 
and transgendered woman man like y'all like yo it's it's the beat of humanity walking no matter who you are get out there and walk move the body right and i was noticing that it's like you know for all her shortcomings my mother taught me to walk the importance of walking to this day something i do you know ferociously i went for a walk i went for like a 4 hour walk yesterday you know, I'll talk about that a little later, but I went for like a long four hour walk yesterday. So like I was reflecting on that. It's like, yeah, you know, mama taught me how to walk, taught me how to feed the birds, you know, during this pandemic, I've been noticing, you know, like I said, when you're getting outdoors, you got to kind of be at a distance at a sense, right? So, you know, I was noticing a lot of people, a nice little activity is to, you know, find a nice quiet little spot, feed the birds, you know? <coughs> you know, throw some fucking pieces of bread, bird seed out for the birds, you know? <coughs> you know, feed the birds, you know, feed the squirrels. <coughs> You know, you're out there feeding the squirrels and the birds, you know? My mom taught me that. Yeah. And walking and appreciation for nature is like such a inner calm and inner peace. You know, a divine touch. An inner stillness. You know? For all her, for all her craziness, she tried to instill that in me. And it's important to me. It's important to me to walk, move the body, connect with nature as much as I can living in a big city, feeding seagulls, feeding pigeons, squirrels, you know, <laughs> bed bugs. <laughs> I feed the bed bugs. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's like that appreciation for nature, you know, and on this 12-year anniversary of her passing, learning how to put away that resentment that I had for her, you know, and understanding that she did the best she could. I mean, she did the best she could. If she could do any better, she would have. She would have. I know she loved me enough to want the best for me, but from how she was raised, from the things she went through, from the, from the things she had to deal with, she couldn't possibly do any better than what she did. And, you know, she did a lot of good things. And when I was, uh, you know, when I was kind of going through my harder phases in life, you know, you know I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm three plus years sober today. When I was in recovery, um, you know, going to meetings, recovery meetings, people would talk about that. You know, it's like, we have to forgive our parents. They did the best that they could. They didn't know any better. If they could have done better, they would have. They were just repeating the cycle of which they were raised, right? And, you know, going through my recovery 
and reflecting on my youth, a lot of times I would speak on my mother. Even in my act as a stand-up comedian, I would speak on my mother and, and I would say these real biting truths. You know, I would drop some examples of just some of the negativity and the craziness and the neglect in a humorous way. Well, what I thought as humorous was was really just kind of passive-aggressive anger. But, you know, I, I, I would tell these tall tales. I would tell these tales of parental neglect. And it was always very angry. It was a truth based in anger. And today, I would rather just understand that she did the best she could and appreciate my mother for that and not trying to harm her reputation by, you know, speaking of them ills. Now, I'm not going to pussyfoot around it and let's say in the future I have a project where I can truly express some details if I find that there's some interesting if I find that there's some interesting fodder there I can explore those ideas those stories and tell them in a very thought out palatable way but today it's like where I was so quick before to say this is what my mother did this is what my mother did this is what my mom did this is all the things I had to go through me 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 ma 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 today it's more like you know I understand she did the best she could and I have to forgive her for that and I have to sort of ask for forgiveness myself like somebody I've been listening to lately is Jessie Lee Peterson you know she's a sl- your mo- you're just like your mama your mother was a slut <laughs> Jessie Lee Peterson the Reverend Jessie Lee Peterson you know beta Beta male, you are beta male, you're a slut maker, beta male. <laughs> Jesse Lee Peterson, very popular YouTuber, reverend. Um, he's right on the money. Well, he has a lot of thoughts and opinions, but he's right on the money when it comes to parental issues. When it comes to the dynamic between men and women and father, child, mother, child. When, he, when it comes down to that, he is right on the money. And it's like, you know, he kind of reaffirmed some of the things I kind of knew and some of the things that I was taught in my recovery, you know, about accountability. Because it's like, you know, I need to ask for that forgiveness of my parent, my mother. And if you guys can relate to that, you know, it's like when we resent our parents, And we have to know that they just did the best that they could and to ask for forgiveness for what we did, for judging them, for for judging them and hating them for what they were, what they are. They couldn't help it. And for how we behaved. I remember, like, you know, my mother, I won't go into great detail of some of the stories, but one basic I guess one basic tragedy of the parent-child relationship is just anger. When you got an angry parent who's always yelling, talking, criticizing, swearing, what that does to a child. 
I remember my mom would, she was always very anxious and upset. And you never really knew what kind of a day she was, what kind of a mood she was going to be in. So she was always kind of angry and upset and you never knew what was going to come out of her mouth. And, you know, ah, you kids, go to your room. Fuck you. Ah, ah, you're just like your father. Ah, ah, fuck you. Ah, go to your room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get an earful of that year upon year. And then one day you get a little bit bigger, you know, kids grow. And I remember one, one day, you know, I must have been like 12. In my mind, I remember it as like, I must have been somewhere around the age of 12. Just another one of those typical situations. Mom's mad. Mom's angry. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, go to your room, you kids. You're just like your father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what, Mom? Fuck you. I'm your mother. How could you talk that way? <laughs> Fuck you, you stupid bitch. Get out of my fucking face. I've had enough of it. Drop dead, fucking bitch. <laughs> and it went on like that for years, you know? And, you know... <laughs> Whatever, shut up. I'm going to just do whatever the fuck I want. I don't, you got no power over me. You got no control over me. If you were any type of mother, maybe I could fucking hear what you're saying and appreciate what you're saying. But how I see it, you're a fucking idiot. You're a loser. And why should I listen to you? I'm going to just do whatever I want. So I had that attitude for a while. And, you know, it wasn't until I was somewhere around, you know, 19, 17, 19, when my mother fell ill. That's when I kind of was like, okay, the war is over. I can't be fighting with my sick mother. My mother, you know, she lived very unhealthily. She chain smoked cigarettes. She had a bad diet. She lived a very sedentary life. So all of that on top of, like I said, she couldn't, she could only do what she could do. She had a lot of like, I think, depressive issues. You know, I think she had a lot of like a depressive nature. So ill health, ill state of mind, smoking cigarettes. She developed like a heart condition. She had like, I guess, a form of heart disease. She had to wind up getting like a quadruple bypass. She continued to smoke cigarettes. She continued to live a very unhealthy lifestyle to which she had a stroke, went into a coma, and then eventually was taken off life support. And died. So, you know, we had a very tumultuous relationship up until when she got sick. Up until, you know, somewhere around 16, from the age of 16, from my age of 16 to 21. That's when I really kind of roped it back and tried to be a dutiful son. And I, I pretty much just appeased her. Yes, mom. Yes, mother. Mm -mm, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk and it was all very, you know, it seemed very nice on the surface, but underneath it all, it was very, um, it was just me appeasing her. And um, that's why I need to seek that forgiveness. And I think I'm getting closer to that and I'm at more peace with that because it's like I resented her. You know, I did. I just, 
I resented her and, you know, I just kind of basically appeased her. And you go, okay, mom, whatever, you're right. You know best. Okay, yep, yep, yep. Right? And I think a lot of us struggle with that. That's a very, that's like the common theme of humanity. Right? It's what we are born into and seeking. We're born into a family. And then we grow up seeking family. And sometimes those are one and the same. Sometimes it's separate, disjointed, apart, crumbling, broken, broken home, broken family structures, broken relationships. So it's about that forgiveness, not holding on to the anger of resentment, understanding that, you know, my mother did the best she could and dropping that anger and resentment in order to be free to be loving, free to love, free to be open and free of that anxiety and fear, resentment that is just like rife, which is like running amok in our society today. A lot of people, they, you know, my story, yeah, that's the, that's the thing too that I've learned is like, I used to think my story was, well, I felt like a victim in it to an extent. I felt like a victim in it. I felt like it was such a story that was unfamiliar when it's really like, it's the tune, it's the song that's been sung by many a folk in this world. You know what I mean? It's like that anguish, right? Parental problems, resentments. So today I feel I'm free of resentment and able to move on. And I think more time, I think time will help me, like, for example, Jesse Lee Peterson, um, that reverend I told you about, you're just like your mama. You got the nature of your mother in you. A nasty, angry, evil woman. You know, you hate your mama. You're just like your mama. Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson, like, uh, he mentions that once you drop that resentment from your mother or that resentment that you have towards a parent, it could be your father, once you drop those resentments, it should free you up to live a life of, um, you know, an anger-free life, to be open to people and situations. So... I don't know. I feel like I've dropped that anger. I truly do. I truly see. I see how it wasn't her fault. I see how she was a victim to it as much as I was a victim to it. I see that could she have chosen better, she would have chosen better. I see that she loved me and would have chosen better, could she have chosen better. 
and my father that I never knew, I see that he in his own way would have chosen better, could he have chosen better, but he couldn't. So it's like, I understand that it was nothing personal, that it was the victim that we all can become if we go down that road of resentment, uh, historical lineage of unchecked anger, fear, resentment. And maybe I just have to accept that there's not going to be a round of applause or some... I don't know what I expect. Maybe I'm expecting too much. But I don't know. I, I feel like I've dropped that resentment. I've dropped that anger. I see that she did only what she could. My father did only what he could. And I see that when people are ugly and angry and mis and when people are ugly and angry and treat each other wrong and act out of fear and hate and aggression, I see that they're only doing it because that's all they know. If they knew any better, they, they would find a better way. So I see that. And I don't know, maybe it's some sort of fear in me or maybe it's a feigned sense of humility. Maybe I'm just trying to play possum here and not show my, my hand not to show my cards, and maybe I'm playing it a little too close to the chest, maybe I do have a little bit more insight than I, or a little bit more growth than I, I'm trying to portray. But at any rate, I do see. And, you know, I think that's, I hope that's been of value to anybody out there dealing with a family issue a parental issue you know and you know going forward here into pandemic like as i mentioned my mama you're just like your mama she was an evil black angry what my name's jesse lee peterson of the jesse lee peterson podcast heard all around the world by everybody and their mama you know it's a spiritual battle folks you know your mother was a slut your mother had anger issues and, you know, she only did what she could because she was angry at the way your grandmama treated your mama. So now your mama treating you this way and you just like your mama. She had the spirit of Satan in her. But, you know, we're going to fix that, you know. You got to let go of your fear and your anger. And then you could be uh, born back into again, born back again into the spirit of God, you could return to God, your father, but right now you're acting just like your mama. <laughs> Jesse Lee Peterson, um, a very polarizing, but a very needed voice. Do check him out. Jesse Lee Peterson of the Jesse Lee Peterson show, Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson, founder of Bond, you know, Brotherhood Organization, of another destiny, I believe. He's a. Uh, definitely check him out. Def definitely check him out. He uh, 
he changed my, he's helped a lot and he speaks a lot of truth. A truth that is so hard hitting in this time of PC culture. Nothing speaks like the truth. And he's right on the money with that family stuff. Jesse Lee Peterson. <laughs> Another angry black man. You're just like your mama. <laughs> but yeah, as I'm just like my mama, you know, I went for a walk uh, the other day. Went for a long walk. And like my mama taught me, and I wasn't really thinking about her or anything like that, but it was more for myself, just like a, a long walk to reflect on my time and to reflect on where I've been, where I'm going. And, you know, all I can say is just the appreciation of that, the appreciation of, you know, putting your feet putting your feet down on the ground and, you know, making some tracks, moving the body and getting out there in the world. You know, we can't be afraid to do so. We cannot be afraid to do so. You know, um, we got to, I don't know, we got to, I would assume the best course of action is to take this virus seriously, you know, coronavirus, COVID-19, we got to take it serious. We got to do the best we can, but we have a duty. We have a duty to ourselves. We have a duty to our society to get back to work, get back in action, keep the spirits high and, you know, not fall for the okie doke, not fall for fear. I mean, I'm not against taking precautions, but I'm not for an overlording of fear, an overmongering of fear mongering and living in a bubble where it's like we're we're afraid to return to the beauty of life. I don't I don't agree with that. I don't agree that we should be afraid. So it's a delicate balance moving forward for sure. And, you know, it's going to come down to some choices. It's going to come down to some action. But um, for the meantime, I think we should just stay um, hopeful and happy and high-spirited. Um if you are new to the show, I'm in the midst of a transition. I had quit my previous job as a janitor, mopping floors, scrubbing toilets, you know, and it served my purpose. Um, I paid off a student loan. I produced my own comedy shows. That took money, you know, to book a venue, buy equipment, postering, media, you know advertisement that costed money to produce the show my janitorial hustle it also helped me produce this show jonathan ramtran the podcast um you know equipment internet you know production value that costs money 
So I was very grateful for my time as a janitor. I worked as an essential worker in the height of the pandemic, coronavirus, COVID-19. I, wor- I worked as a essential worker in 2020. And I recently, uh, like three weeks ago, I put in my two weeks notice. I was kind of done with the job. I was in need of something different. You know, I didn't want to buy into that fear. I didn't want to, oh, I got to hold on to this job until the cows come home indefinitely, even though I hate it. (laughs) You know, now I'm just riffing as a comedian, but like, you know, even though it kind of made my blood boil and there was a lot of things I disliked about it, it was very beneficial. It had utility, but I was kind of over it. I needed some new pastures. I needed a new adventure. So I took the plunge and I quit. And now I'm in this time right now where it's like, you know, I'm looking for new work. And, you know, it's just kind of funny how things can unravel, right? Um, You know, I had this job interview lined up, right? (laughs) So, you know, I'm I'm fretting, I'm fitting, I'm running around, you know. I'm preparing everything for the day of the interview, right? It's like a job fair. And it was like an interview to work as like a warehouse worker, in some uh, little store or store in Toronto, right? Like a warehouse worker in a store, downtown Toronto. So the morning of my interview, I wake up, right? And I was like, ah, ah. there's something awfully squooey going on around here. Uh, uh, I'm in a pool of moisture. I was like, you gotta be pissing me. You gotta be. I was gonna say shitting me, but you know, this is more appropriate. You gotta be pissing me. Did I piss the bed? I'm in a pool of fucking, like a wet pool of something. Oh, hell, I don't know. I'm in a pool of something. I wake up, I'm like, you gotta be pissing me. Did I piss the bed? I was like, what? This is like a throwback to my drinking days, you know? A couple times you pissed the bed. You know how it is, folks. A couple times I pissed the bed as an alcoholic, you know? And I thought them days were well over me, you know? I thought I'd moved a little bit further past that. I wake up in this pool of something. But then I get to thinking, hey, wait a minute. No, wait, wait. You know, it's been very hot weather. And, you know... The window was closed and the AC was off. The air conditioning was off and the window was closed. And I guess, because I'm doing the math on this, I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know, like I, I'm not the smartest man that ever lived, but you know, it's like water can't flow upstream, can it? Right? Like if you, if you piss the bed, generally it trickles down to the toes, right? But like my pillow was soaked, my neck was soaked. And it was like a complete outline of like my body. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. Did I just sweat myself? Did I just like sweat? Because like it was a very hot night and the AC wasn't on and the window was closed. Very unsettling. And so I did the sniff test, right? I was like, well, it doesn't smell like nothing. It doesn't really smell like nothing. It smelled like kind of like stale sweat. You know, I hate to report this, folks. I'm not exactly proud of this. 
Well, I give it the old sniff test. I don't know. Well, it doesn't smell like piss. And then, like, I move, I take the, I take the, the sheet off the bed, and, well, there's no stain. And it's not really that sopping. Like, if you piss the bed, generally, it's quite sopping, right? Like, if you, if you really piss on something, it really soaks it up, right? But this was more just kind of like a dampness. So the old sniff test, pass the sniff test. Now I'm looking, there's no stains, you know? So I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. I think I just, phew, phew. I think it was just a little case of a little heat, a little moisture, a little sweating. So I guess I just kind of was in a cold sweat. Maybe I was just nervous about the interview. You know, that's the state of affairs in fucking 2020, you know? College graduate, adequate performer, you know, got my own podcast, you know, I'm a go-getter yet I'm nervous. Oh my God. Will I flunk my warehouse interview? Am I smart enough to move box around in the back of a fucking truck, right? So I'm like, oh God, right? I sweat the bed. Thank God I didn't piss it. Anyway, what a rude awakening. So I wake up, ugh, throw all the clothes in the hamper, throw my clothes, the bedding in the hamper, go for a jog, sweat up another storm, right? So I'm sweating in my jogging clothes. I'm sweating the bed. Ah, hell, it was just a mess. So I throw everything in the hamper, take it to the laundry mat. So there I am doing laundry before the uh, the interview. And coincidentally, um, there was a, a lady there and she was doing laundry. And she goes, oh, hey. She goes, oh, hey. I remember you from last week. Do you remember what happened to me last week? Like, I guess you start to run into the same people. You see? Like, you know, you do laundry enough. And, you know, you do laundry enough times on a schedule. You start, like, bumping into the same people at the laundry mat. So there I am, this lady. I remember you from last week. You know what happened to me when you left? When you left, this crazy person came up to me and was begging for change and bothering me. And I told him, get away from me. And, you know, we called the cops, and it was a big uproar, and this and that, and that. I'm like, yeah, I know, miss. You know, it's crazy. You know, what the fuck's this world coming to? You know, it's like people can't even have a little respect for one another, a little social distancing, a little personal space, you know, appreciation. And then, you know, one thing led to another. We're talking, and then all of a sudden, like, I had this out-of-body experience. I was just, like, running my mouth, you know? All of a sudden, I, I remember I just looked over at the lady, and she was just belly laughing. She's like, ah, oh, my God. Ah, you, you, you. Ah. I was killing. You know? Like, that's how cooped up we've been, where it's like we're so, we're so, like, unused to, like, interacting with people anymore. Like, if I was, like, killing Killing at the laundromat. She was doubled over in laughter. I, I was like in a trance. I was just like running my mouth. I'm like, yeah, people are retarded. They can't even do laundry nowadays. You know, I mean, look at these fucking dummies. You know, you wander into a fucking laundromat. No change, no suds, no nothing. I was just going off about it. I'm like, what's with these fucking bozos putting their fucking laundry in the laundry wash? And you got fucking cat hair and fucking dog hair. You might as well throw the whole fucking chihuahua in there. You know, a little fabric softener. I was just going off on some fucking tirade. And she was she was lapping it up. She was slurping it up. She loved it. I was killing. I was like, holy fuck. I had like an out-of-body experience. I was like, what? Killing at the laundromat? 
take my word for it. It was hilarious. I mean, she was doubled over in laughter. And I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> killing at the laundromat. And then I was like, hmm. Uh. It was kind of like one of those situations where it's like when you're on stage as a comic, sometimes once you, you know, if you only got a certain amount of time and you know what your set is going to be, depending on the time, depending on the set, once you get them laughs, you're getting close to the end of the time. Thank you. Good night. And you're out of there, right? So it was kind of like that where it's like I was killing, killing, killing. And I was like, what the fuck? I was going into like <laughs> my laundry routine, I guess. And, you know, <laughs> oh, my God, you're too much. You're too much. <laughs> She's like lapping it up. And then I'm like, uh, OK, thank you. Good morning. And then I just kind of ended my set. I guess I did a set. I don't know. Then I went to like the coffee shop. So, you know, it was a nice little reminder of like, you know, connectivity and, you know, how I should be more open to sharing my humor with people because, you know, there's a lot of isolation going on because of quarantine on top of people's own personal issues and da-da-da-da-da. Coming out of my recovery, three plus years of sobriety, on top of this pandemic, I've been really learning how to reintegrate into society to be more socially available. Because when I was in my drinking phase, all I cared about was getting drunk. I got no time for anybody. I don't want to hear nothing. Shut the fuck up. Get out of my way and give, give me my beer. Give me my weed. Let me just go be in a stupor and a drunken stoned out oblivion somewhere i got no time for nobody and the self-centeredness of being wrapped up in an, an addiction alcoholism coming out of that these past three years i'm learning how to talk to people and be present because generally speaking unless i kind of build up a rapport with somebody or relationship or until i really know somebody I've changed. Like, I'm not so willing to just dive into a conversation. So that's what I mean, where it's like, I noticed that, you know, this lady, she's really enjoying my conversation. She's laughing her ass off. And it was so weird because it's like, I don't usually just talk to people, like strangers and shit, right? I'm just like, okay, cool. Maybe I should be more open to, because it was a two-way street as well. She enjoyed my humor, but I also, I really gave her my ear. I was like, so tell me what happened. What happened? She's like, yeah, I was here and I was doing my laundry and this fucking guy was bothering me and I had to call the cops. I'm like, I was really listening. I was like, oh yeah. So like, oh yeah, you know, what did, you know, are you okay? What happened? What did the guy look like? Does he come around here much? How did you deal with it? What did the cops say? Like, what's the follow-up? What are you going to do f moving forward? Did you talk to the manager? The manager of the fucking laundromat, like, we had a real interaction. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird to interact with people. So it's like, I guess I'm just relearning that. And of course, you know, I kill at the laundromat, but then I go and I bomb. Because <laughs> I bombed the interview, I don't know. I forgot my resume, and the guy's like, you know, this fucking dumbass was like, you know, the guy interviewing me for that stupid warehouse job. Son, you got a resume? Where's your resume? I'm like, I didn't bring a resume to a fucking interview. Like, I applied online. 
You got my resume. I emailed it to you. Like, why would I bring in a physical copy of my resume? What if it's contaminated with coronavirus? You know, what if it's just steeped in Chinese flu? You want me to give you my fucking resume? Kind of counter to the point of, you know, social distancing, isn't it? But it's still a little too early to tell. Maybe they're going to call me back. I don't know. I don't don't really care. I'm, I'm just kind of moving along doing my thing. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's really of no consequence. And, you know, that's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. Post-pandemic, I'm trying to be accountable. I'm trying to drop. I have dropped and I want to seek, I want to seek further stillness, further depth in this area. But I have dropped my anger. I see people as only doing the best that they can. If they could do better, they would, myself included. I ain't a saint. I'm often obnoxious, oblivious. I I live in the same hypocrisy that I judge others by, right? So what's the point, you know? If I could do better, I would do better, right? So I'm just as human as anyone. So moving, obviously, do you doubt that I'm human? But, um... Moving forward post-pandemic, it's about that, you know, being open to people and to grow with the times. And I hope that has been food for thought for y'all. I hope that's relatable. That's always something I strive to do here on JR the P, Jonathan Ramtran the podcast. Some of my enjoyment in podcasting when I'm a listener when I listen to my favorite podcasts when I listen to my favorite pieces of audio it's always about feeling that connectivity with the uh, with the the host the performer it's about feeling that connectivity so today's podcast was a little um, a little in depth into what's going on with me personally and hope that it kind of connects with others And, um, you know, try not to be so bogged down in the news cycle because, unfortunately, it's the same, same old, same, same old fear, anger, aggression, racial protests, inequality, cancel culture, everybody at each other's throats. When it's like, when are we all just, when are we all just going to wake up, take accountability for ourselves, love one another? And seek a higher purpose, a higher standard, a higher good. The answers are within, and we have a duty to live by that wisdom, to share that wisdom, and love one another. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent September fourth in the year of our lord 2020 parental issues resentment mommy daddy issues you know post-pandemic hopes post-pandemic dreams self-reliance accountability harmony connectivity togetherness 
Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com if you have anything to share on anything. Would love to hear you. Connect with me, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, my own website, jonathan-ramtran.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please help my black ass out for crying out loud, you know? Share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it. You love it. You realize it. A height. Peace.